In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to begin with the question today, who is blessed? Who is blessed? Are those who win the lottery blessed? Well, actually, most people who win the lottery would say no, that it was in fact a curse. So you never know whether it's a blessing or not, but I'm sure most of us want to try to know for ourselves whether winning the lottery would be a blessing. There is a church called the Church of the Beatitudes, and it stands on a large hill with a wonderful view of the Sea of Galilee. It is truly heaven on earth, and it is the local custom that that hill on which the Church of the Beatitudes is built is the hill that Jesus climbed up and his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and began to speak these wonderful words that we call the Beatitudes. So these Beatitudes are addressed to the disciples of Jesus. The disciples of Jesus are average people, average people, much like you and I. We probably have more education than they do, but other than that, just average good folk. But these average people, the disciples, are caught between two worlds, the world of Jerusalem and the world of Rome. And both worlds are very, very different. Jesus began his ministry preaching repentance. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning that it's available to average people like us and like the disciples of Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand, open for people like you all, because the disciples were separated from the power centers of Jerusalem and the power center of Rome itself. Jesus, in fact, came teaching about an alternative kingdom, the kingdom of God, which was different than Jerusalem and different than Rome. You see, we have to know the background about the disciples to understand what Jesus was teaching. So it's important for us to know that the disciples were in fact alienated from the elite families that ruled the temple and the entire temple system. They were alienated from the established power of the ruling religious leaders that composed the Sanhedrin And they were also separated from those zealous pursuers of ceremonial righteousness we know as the Pharisees. He called his disciples blessed. Even though they were outliers to how Jerusalem ran, how it worked with all its wealth and power and prestige, even though the Jerusalem system was in most uh, people's eyes approved by God. They were also alienated from the Roman world, which was characterized by ambition and pride, bravery, boastfulness, brutality, and callousness. And so Jesus promises his average group, people who can't keep up, who can barely make it, who are almost crushed, 
forgotten, unnoticed, despised. But, but his average group had hearts that were humble and merciful, modest, compassionate. They sought to do the right thing, even though it was going to cost them. And he promised this group blessedness in his kingdom. The truth is, Christ's disciples were despised. They were considered deluded fools. They were the fools that Paul even talks about in his own epistle. That people just thought, these people are just fools. They're hayseeds. They don't amount to anything. But Jesus had an announcement for them that was revolutionary because he was announcing a new kingdom available to them. He was announcing a new covenant and a new creation and that God was doing something new in overturning this upside down world. And so a scholar N.T. Wright translates the Beatitudes this way. Wonderful news for the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Wonderful news for the mourners. You will be comforted. Wonderful news for the meek. You're going to inherit the earth. Wonderful news for people who hunger and thirst for God's justice. You're going to be satisfied. Wonderful news for the merciful. You'll receive mercy yourselves. Wonderful news for the pure in heart. You will see God. Wonderful news for the peacemakers. You'll be called God's children. Wonderful news for people who are persecuted because of God's way. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Wonderful news for you when people slander you and persecute you and say all kinds of wicked things about you falsely because of me, Jesus. Celebrate and rejoice. There's a great reward for you in heaven. That's how they persecuted the prophets who went before you. So this is not so much a to-do list of ethics as it is an announcement of God's kingdom and how to enter into it by following Jesus, by being one of his disciples and having a heart prepared for the kingdom. Well, Jesus is God's agent in the world to turn this world right side up, to right this world. And in fact, we even pray a prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven because God's reign, God's kingdom in heaven is perfect and it is a place of justice, of righteousness, of joy, of peace. It's all of these things. The issue is what's going down here on earth. And the prayer is, is that one day by God's grace and power, these two things would become one, intermingled together in the new heavens and the new earth. And all of these promises to the disciples of Jesus, we included, will finally take place. Jesus did not promise disciples health and wealth and an easy life here and now. There are some people that talk like that, but it certainly is very hard to find in the New Testament. And so Jesus makes promises about the age to come primarily, but it is a kingdom available 
here and now that we can enter into that we experience glimpses of the age to come. As we look at this Sermon on the Mount, which will be for the next four Sundays, and uh, we're just going to cover chapter 5 of chapters 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, we need to keep one thing in our minds uh, of principal importance. And it's this, that Christ is in fact the blessed one. Christ himself contains all the beatitudes in his own person already because he is the son and the word of God. In fact, Matthew has Jesus climbing up on the mountain as a companion image to Moses who also gave the word from the mountain. But this time it's the word made flesh. It's God's word made flesh that is speaking the word of God to the disciples And so Jesus himself is perfect in all virtue. He represents all the promises of the Beatitudes summed up in his own person. He was impoverished. He was humble. He was gentle. He was merciful. He had purity of heart. And he reigned as himself a reconciler and a peacemaker suffering even death on the cross for righteousness' sake. So that's important to understand that Jesus is, in fact, the blessed one. He's the one who embodies completely what he's teaching about the kingdom. We're called to follow Jesus, the king, the blessed one, into his kingdom. And we do that by allowing him through our discipleship to be transformed in heart and soul to be prepared to enter that kingdom in and with him. And so that's important. Jesus is the blessed one, the perfect one that will lead us into the kingdom. But we're required to follow. We're required to go along the way. We're required to allow him to transform our hearts. The church has had these beatitudes now for almost 2,000 years. And over time, the spiritual life of the church, the, the life of the Holy Spirit in the church has led many and many people over the ages to uh, enlighten us about the fact that the beatitudes are a way of spiritual life. And in fact, One author who states uh, this, but many authors state the same thing, is in fact that the Beatitudes are almost like a ladder. And Christ has put in each rung in the ladder uh, in exactly the right place so that we can climb the ladder of the Beatitudes to the kingdom. Uh, Quoting Jim Forrest about this ladder of the Beatitudes, he says, each step builds on the foundation of the previous step. Each leads to the next, and each is indispensable. We can't divide them up, retaining those we find appealing and leaving those we don't care for. We can't say, well, I'll take the peacemaking, but that purity of heart stuff, that's for other people. That's not going to be for me. They are a seamless whole, and they have to be taken step by step in order to move up the ladder. Remember, though, that we are following Jesus into the kingdom, 
and that the truth is we can't climb this ladder on our own. We need to ask Jesus to be in us and with us to empower us to climb this ladder. And Jim Forrest also says, the Christian life is climbing the ladder of the Beatitudes and when we fall off, start once again. And we're going to fall off that ladder over and over again, but we're called to step up on the ladder and begin the climb in the power of Jesus himself, the blessed one, as we climb toward the kingdom. Well, the modern disciples of Jesus, like the ancient ones, are caught between multiple worlds. Most of us who are in the working world feel that we're caught between that working culture which values quotas and deadlines and demands, getting ahead, constant progress, growth, technology, trying to keep up. We're caught between that world and the world of trying to raise families. We're caught between other worlds, the world of the church, or living within the proximity of the church where we hear about God and Christ and the spirit and love and faithfulness and these uh, beatitudes. We feel caught and the truth is, is that we have many things demanding our time and our attention. But if we take the spiritual teaching about this beatific ladder to heart, we can start with the very first rung. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? If it's the very first rung of the ladder of the spiritual life of moving forward into the kingdom, what might that be? Well, an ancient commentator, one of the best uh, preachers in the entire church uh, for all time, St. John Chrysostom, says to be poor in spirit means to regard nothing as your own and everything you have as a temporary loan. It's a reminder that everything that we have is from the grace of God. Others go on to say that being in poor in spirit means that we understand that we are totally dependent upon God. And that it's not a sign of weakness, but rather a statement of reality and spiritual maturity that we understand that we in and of ourselves don't have much to offer the spiritual life. That's why we're poor in spirit. We may be strong in passions, but poor in spirit. And so the first place to start on this ladder is the place of humility and the place of just saying, I'm starting at square one. I haven't got this figured out. I don't have it empowering inside of me to do all of this. I need Christ and the Spirit every single day to help me climb the ladder. So every day has to begin in prayer and in inviting Jesus into this life to, cli <clears throat> to climb the ladder. Let's hear some people from Scripture who knew they were poor in spirit. The great prophet Isaiah knew he was poor in spirit when he said to God, Woe is me. 
because I'm a man of unclean lips. King David knew that he was poor in spirit when discovering beyond all doubt that he himself as an adulterer and a murderer had no sacrifice in Israel to take away his sin. So he humbly had to cast himself to God himself for his mercy, to receive that mercy. Peter said to Jesus, depart from from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. The tax collector stood far off as the Pharisee was ticking off his to-do list of all his good works and he beat his breast and he said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And finally the apostle Paul considered himself the greatest missionary of all time, considered himself the very chief of sinners. They all knew that they were poor in spirit and everything they had was from God and would continue to be from God their entire life. Now it's interesting to note that there's no women in this list, but I think it's an equal opportunity uh, endeavor. Uh, But maybe we need it more, men, I don't know. But uh, uh, the reference that I checked just had no women saying these types of things. But of course we all need it and we're called. So uh, as we come to the altar today to receive the life of the blessed one. Today, let us receive it to empower us to follow Jesus, the blessed one, into his kingdom as we climb that ladder, the ladder of the Beatitudes towards the blessedness of Christ's kingdom. Amen.